Good evening. See everyone. Jonah chapter four. Chapter four. Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for the good day we've had and for safety, for the nice weather. We pray that you would just continue to guide us tonight as we look into the word and continue to study about Jonah. We just thank you for it. Give us uh, some insight, Lord, not just into what he went through in his life, but Lord, what it is you want us to learn from it. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are in Jonah chapter 4. Uh, we've looked at him for the past month or so, and we've observed a man of God with a bitter heart, a man of God with a repentant heart, a man of God with an obedient heart, and tonight, a man of God with uh, a, an angry heart, which sounds like an oxymoron, right? You're not supposed to be a man of God and have a bitter or an angry heart, but we've all done that, haven't we? We like it when we live in that, that repentant or obedient heart, but we all, it's just constantly back and forth, depending on what the circumstances are, uh, we sometimes get uh, angry, we sometimes get bitter, not just at people, sometimes at circumstances, sometimes at God. Um, and as we finish up the story tonight, it's, it's not a story that we just look at Jonah and say, what a mess he was, because... God gave us this story for all of us as well. So let's look at chapter 4, starting in verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. All right, stop there. What was he angry about? What displeased him so much? That the people repented, right? Um, it displeased Jonah that the entire city of Nineveh repented and got right with God. Now, we don't know if every single person did. Uh, we'll see later on that there's an estimated 125,000 children in the city, so many scholars estimate that there were probably close to 600,000 people uh, in this city, and, and uh, he goes and becomes the most powerful, famous evangelist missionary of all time, and he's angry. Now, I'm not... Looking forward to this, but I kind of anticipate Sunday night, around 9 o'clock, Galen Hurts will walk up to the platform, it's receiving the award for MVP of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl champion. Can you imagine if they interview him after he wins this thing, and they say, how do you feel? And he says, I'm angry. I can't believe we won the Super Bowl. I wish we would have lost this thing. He said, what's wrong with them? But, uh, again, when, we, when you look at that, that's kind of Jonah. Jonah, you just became the most famous missionary of all time. How do you feel? He said, oh, man, I wish God would just kill me. And you look at this, and you think, what, what in the world? Why would he think this way? And he prayed, verse 2, he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my say when I was yet in my country. Therefore I fled before Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So his response to God is, I told you so. 
I, I told you, back when I was in my country, when I was leaving, when I was fleeing, the reason I left, and I even told you this, I'm leaving because I know if I go in there, like, you're going to be gracious and merciful, you're going to save them, and I didn't want that to happen. He's so angry, and he's so bitter with God. So, had he really gotten his heart right with God in chapter 3? Probably. We don't know for sure, but it appeared that he did. Chapter 2, he truly repented the fish, and God allowed him to come up, so God saw his heart. It wasn't just a foxhole prayer. He evidently was serious about repenting of his sin. He was serious about getting, becoming obedient to God. I think he was hoping, all right, I'm going to go through them with this, but I don't know that God's going to be that gracious to him, but when he was, he's like, I told you so. And then what did he ask God to do? God, I just wish you would just take my life because it's better for me to die than to live. If I were God, I probably would have picked Jonah up, thrown him back to the Mediterranean Sea, and right where that same fish was and had it swallowed again, and say, all right. But God didn't do that to Jonah. Why? Well, for the very reason that Jonah was angry. Look at what he said in verse 2. Middle of verse, he says, For I knew that you're a gracious God. What is grace? So I don't deserve God, right? It is God giving me something that I don't deserve. What is mercy? You're gracious, you're merciful. Grace is giving us something we don't deserve. Mercy is withholding what we do deserve. So they go hand in hand. Just like, because God is gracious, I'm going to heaven. I don't deserve that. Because of God is merciful, I'm not going to hell. I do deserve that. He said, God, I knew that you're slow to anger. You don't get angry very quickly. We, as human beings, we tend to do that. You're of great kindness, God. I knew that you, you were a kind God. I knew that these people didn't deserve your kindness, but I knew that you would be kind to them. And for that, a little irritated. And I knew that you would repent of the evil. I knew that you would forgive them. And so for the very same reason that Jonah is breathing, that God is gracious, God is merciful, God is slow to anger, God is of great kindness, and God is forgiving. That's what he was upset about. Isn't it ironic that I can get upset when God does that to other people that I don't think deserve it, but when he does it to me, I somehow think, but I do deserve it. And I don't. But we, we tend to compare ourselves not with other people. We, we tend to compare ourselves with, with people that are a whole lot worse than us and say, well, I'm not like that. But what does God say in Ephesians 2? 1, you have to be made alive who were dead. In trespass. We were just as bad as the Ninevites. Now, we may not have done just as many bad things, but we were set apart from God before we were saved. And so, when you boil down what Jonah is most mad at, he's mad at the character of God. That God is good, gracious, kind, slow to anger, and forgiving, which makes absolutely no sense. But as human beings, we sometimes don't make a whole lot of sense, do we? And, and so, Jonah's just ready to die. God, just take my life. It's, it's dead. So, 
Because they were the constant enemy of Israel. They were constantly coming into Israel, just taking all their stuff and going back, killing people. Did Jonah have any family that made them part of the marauding and murdering? We don't know. It doesn't really say. Yeah. Yeah. But if we watched the State of the Union last night, we all probably had some moments of anger. We wanted to throw something at the TV, right? Both sides, right? It doesn't matter who it was. We, we, whether whether you, you, you like the party in charge or not, we, we, we tend to just get really irritated, and they're our own people. Now think about, you know, ungodly nations that want to destroy America. You know, we tend to look at that and we think, but they just, when is God going to deal with that? And that's Job. So we don't know, but um, we've never experienced that where nations are coming in and just wiping people out and going home. But I can imagine, again, we, we got pretty irritated with the balloon flying overhead, didn't we? Because we knew there was something evil behind that. They weren't testing the weather. And we got angry at that. Imagine if they were shooting missiles over here and killing people and then coming and stealing stuff. We'd be pretty angry. And so that's kind of, you know, we can kind of relate to Jonah's attitude toward evil people doing evil things to his people. And here's another problem. Imagine, I just heard this today, imagine if Jonah goes back to Israel now as this great prophet. Hey, where were you at? I just went to Nineveh and I told him about Jehovah. Y'all got saved. Is he a hero in Israel? They all feel the same way he does. You did what? To who? And and so again, he, he knows there's part of that involved. You know, so so there's a lot of stuff. We don't know where the anger and the hatred came from. Think about this. Is there anybody in your life that you have anger and hatred toward? Whether a person, a people group, um, people that you've worked with or lived near, or what, and you just like, man, if I, I just, I just, that certain person I just have this hatred toward. That's what God wants us to do sense, right? That's what this book is about. It's about dealing with some of that anger and hatred that we have in our heart toward other people because God created them in his image. And yet, we all know that there are some people that don't deserve the mercy of God. I'm one of them. And, and yet God was gracious to me. And he wants me to have a heart like him. Jonah is a type of Christ, remember? Not in this chapter, but he's a type of Christ in the fact that he was in the belly for three days and rose again, and, and so too he's a type of Christ. And so God wants me to have the, the, the heart that Christ has, not the heart that Jonah had, and, and a heart to love other people. Coming all the way off there, but good question, and, and we're at, look at verse 4. So then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? So he asked a probing question. He just stopped. And we're not sure if 
Jonah heard this audibly word that was that still small voice in his head. You ever talk with God and you don't hear the voice? But you know what he said. You know, you just, the Holy Spirit just asks you this question inside of you, and you're like, sometimes you just talk back to him. And God came to Jonah and said, Hey Jonah, is it right for you to be angry over this? Is it right for you to be this angry over what's going on? Like, What's going on in your heart? And Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in a shadow till he might see what would become of the city. What's he, what's he waiting for? I thought he already, I thought he already experienced that they've already repented. So what's he waiting for? Yeah, because what was the message? Forty days, God's going to judge you people. I think he's still, still wondering. Are you going to still judge them, right, God? You're going to wipe them out, but at least they're going to heaven now. I'm not really happy about that, but at least you're going to wipe them out. At least I hope that's what you're going to do. Because you said forty days and. Judgment's coming. Now they're saved now, and they're going to heaven, and I got to share eternity with them, and they're probably going to be right next to me for eternity. It's probably what he's saying. But I don't like that. But at least 40 days, the fire of God is going to fall on these people because they deserve it. So he sits up on a hill to watch from a distance the fireworks from heaven, and he sets up a booth sits under it because it was high. And then the Lord prepared a, a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his exceeding grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. So again, he's sitting there, he's watching, he's waiting. He's made a little shelter with some branches and other things, but it's, it's hot, and, and, and he's, you know, being oppressed by the heat there. And yet, God in his grace and his goodness, he prepares this gourd. We don't know exactly what kind of plant it was. Some call it a palm crisp, whatever that is. We're not sure. But it, it springs up so quickly, it provides him enough shade within a day. See, it sounds like a miracle to me, doesn't it? It's like a Jack and the Beanstalk thing, right? How in the world did that happen and him not look at this and say, thank you, God, for what you just did for me. I thank you that you're gracious and merciful, forgiving, kind. He didn't say that, but God was, in the midst of his anger, in the midst of his bitterness, God was kind. And we've all been there too. And God was good, and God was kind, and so he delivers him from the grief of the sun, and he's like, this feels so much better. And isn't it amazing? You can be out in the oppressive sun, and you just get in the shade for a little bit, and it's like a 20-degree difference sometimes. It's like, wow, how did that happen? So God did that. Verse 6, God prepared a board. What else did God prepare earlier in the lesson? Not tonight, but last few weeks. He prepared a fish. Chapter 1, he prepared a storm, right? 
Satan prepared a boat. So there's a lot of preparing of things going on in this whole book. Satan will prepare what he needs to prepare to get my eyes off of God to make it easy for me to sin. At the same time, God is preparing something good for me or something to get my attention. So God prepared a board. And hopefully it was for Jonah to say, wow, God, you are so good to me. I, I need to repent. But he doesn't. He's still angry and bitter, so God then prepared a worm. When the morning rose the next day, then smoked the gourd that it withered. So God prepares a worm, comes and he destroys the gourd, the gourd withers, it dies, it can't pass. When the sun did rise, that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. God said to Jonah, doest thou well be angry for the gourd? Should you really be angry over this gourd that just died? And he said, I do well to be angry even to death. Could that have been an over-exaggeration? We've done that, right? Um, yes, I am so angry, God. Why don't you just take my life? For the gourd? Yeah, for the gourd. Because this gourd came up, and I was so attached to this gourd, it came up in a day and died today. Yes, just kill me. Yeah, we've been there. We know what that feels like and sounds like. We've all had this, this anger at life or at people or circumstances, and we just said, just... Get it over with, God. Just take my life. And then God... Yeah. 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 And, and, yeah, same thing. Because Jonah is kind of like the, the older brother in the prodigal son. And, and again, he's the younger one. What's he say? What did he say to his father? Sorry. Am I right? I'm not worthy to be your servant. Yeah, that's the, what he said. I'm not worthy to be your servant. Make me, I'm not worthy to be your servant. Just make me your servant. What did he say originally? I wish you were dead. Give me the inheritance now. You, we saw Sunday. You don't get the inheritance until they're dead. He said, I want the inheritance now. I wish you were dead. And then he repents. And the older brother, who always faithfully followed his father, right? What did he do? He gets angry. How could you be so gracious? Well, son has been gracious to you your entire life, too. You know, through your party. And the same concept is going on here with Jonah. And Jonah said, I do well be angry for this. And God said this, verse 10. You had pity on the gourd for which you have not labored, neither made it to grow. He came up in the night and perished in the night. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, where no more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? So he has another question. He says, shouldn't I spare Nineveh? It's a great city. And it has 120,000 children and a lot of animals. Are they innocent? 
To which we would say, well, yeah, they're innocent, but their parents aren't. And God asked that question, what, should I be gracious to the people because of the innocent ones that live there? Remember Abraham? When God said he's going to destroy Lot, or destroy Sodom, and he's like, well, Lot's there. He's like, well, there's 50 people there, would you spare it? Alright, that's fair. You know, because 45, 30, all the way down to 10, would you spare? You wouldn't destroy the wicked city, Sodom and Gomorrah, if there's 10 righteous people there, would you, God? And he said, alright, for 10 people, I won't destroy it. Now, God knew how many people were there, right? God already had prayed, God already, he's sovereign, he knew what he was doing. But Abraham understood God is gracious. And he's being gracious to me, being gracious to Lot, still, Lot had a three. And his two daughters and him get out, but that's, that's it. Three people escaped the city. But God was so gracious, even to those three. Hold your place, go to, to Matthew chapter 5. We'll come back here to Matthew chapter 5. Yeah. Yeah. Which is ultimately, you know, the whole reason in chapter one, why is he going to Tarshish? Because he didn't get his way. And why is he angry? Why does he want God to go? Because he didn't get his way. He wanted his way. And we pray, or we talk something, you know, as we pray, just like Jesus, our prayer should be, not my will, but thine be done. And Jonah's attitude through the whole thing is, God, not your will, but mine be done. And whenever we pray that way, we're, we're misunderstanding this whole God-human being relationship. He's God, he's sovereign, he sees it all. Which is why God wants us to have that focus on, it's not about me, it's about your will. And I want to surrender to your will. And so again, there's self-pity, you know, you're not doing things my way, God, when you should do it my way. And does God want to do it our way? Yes, when my way is aligned with his way, right? That's why he says, ask, seek, knock, I want to bless you, but your will has to be conformed with my will. And when it is, when you're symbiotic with God, what a blessing. It's when we wrestle against God, when we fight against His will, and I want my will, I want my way, that, that we, we tend to get things mixed up in our heads. Matthew 5, verse 44. Um, this passage kind of is what Jonah should have understood and should have done in his heart. Matthew 5, 44, verse 43, You have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why should I do that? So that you can be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans, the tax collectors, don't they do the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. 
Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And so again, Jesus reminds us that I expect my children to have an intense love, kindness, graciousness, hospitableness toward all people. Again, I know it's easy to be kind to those who are kind back to you. You struggle with, I shouldn't do that. I can be kind to people who are kind to me. But think about the most evil people on the planet. Don't they do the same thing? So yeah, they do. God said, I don't want you to be like that. I want you to be like me. I'm gracious, I'm merciful, kind, patient, loving, forgiving. And those character traits are what's supposed to be part of my life toward all people. Not just to the people that are kind to me, but to everybody. And that's the hard part, right? Because I can be all of that to people who do that to me. But it's the people who don't do that to me that I have a hard time with. Again, we, we need to, when people do that to us, we, we need to put up boundaries sometimes. We don't want people who hurt us to keep hurting us. But we can't have this vehement hatred toward people. We need to have the boundaries the best we can to keep them from hurting us again. But ultimately, people are going to keep hurting us. And why do they hurt us? Well, as the saying goes, hurt people, hurt people. And so we've, we've got to understand that that's part of living in this world. Proverbs 25, more to look at, and jump back to Jonah and finish it up. Proverbs 25. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And what, what happened when Paul gets saved, and and then the church has said, hey, you need to like minister and disciple him. What did they say? Oh, not Paul. There's some, he's up to something, right? Yeah. Yeah. He did. That's right. Yeah. Where, where God has to be gracious to me. 
And when somebody offends me, I'm very quick in my mind to judge. And so God warns us, no, no, I want you to be like me. Last one, Proverbs 21, 25, I'm sorry, 25, verse 21. If an enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. Why should you do that? Well, for thou shalt he coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall be word Again, what does that mean? If, if I'm fighting to my enemy, I heap coals of fire upon their head. That's the way to get them back. Be nice to them, and it'll make it worse for them. No, no, that's not what he's saying. <laughs> he's saying this. If you're kind to your enemy, the, the idea and, and the euphemism there of heaping coals upon their head is, is hopefully to kind of cause them some shame of, well, I was evil to him and they were kind back to me. And maybe maybe that's going to work to soften their heart. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't, right? Sometimes it just irritates them and makes them worse. But God says, but I'll reward you. Even if it doesn't work, from a human perspective, it's what I want you to do. And I will honor you for it. I will reward you. Even if they don't reciprocate. If your enemies don't, just feed them. Give them a drink if they need a drink. Just care for them, minister to them, because that's what I do. And I want you to be like me. So go back to Jonah again, finish it up here. So Gaius, in two probing questions, verse 4, do you, do us that? Why are you angry? Jonah didn't respond, and he just went and said, I'll, I'll just go watch. I'll just go. Was that better? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. It is. I mean, you even talk to um, secular, you know, um, ungodly psychiatrists or medical doctors, and they will tell you bitterness, um, all of that kind of anger, it does something to your body. And it, it causes you to break down on the inside. And, and, uh, and, and so it's, it's not good for us physically, and certainly not good for us spiritually. Which would be a good reason for us not to do this. But again, where's our heart? You know, Do I have times when I'm bitter for people, for God, be angry toward Him, toward people, toward circumstances, toward things, toward life? Or am I living with a repentant and an obedient heart? So again, he asked the probing question in verse 10, or verse 9. Do you, do you well be angry for the Lord? So, should you really be angry that I was gracious to these wicked people and saved them? Certainly you shouldn't be, but he was. And, and you're bitter and angry about this Lord. And do you well be angry? Verse 11, shouldn't I spare Nineveh, the great city, where there are more than six, four thousand persons that can't discern between their right hand and their left hand children, and also much cattle? And Jonah's response was, don't you hate it when a movie ends? And you're like, that wasn't a good ending. Like, what happened? Uh, I don't know what happened to Jonah. Um, we can speculate. 
And we don't know what happened to him. I, I assume that Jonah wrote the book. So if he's still bitter, he's probably not reading this book, right? With no, yeah. So Nahum, who really wanted the people to repent, God said, you're going to go tell them that the city is going to be destroyed. It's too late. Nahum gets to go preach the message that Jonah wanted to preach. And Jonah had to preach the message that Nahum has to preach. Why did God do that? I don't know. He saw it. He had a plan. He knew what he was doing. He's good and gracious and kind and forgiving and patient. Um, but we don't know what happened to Jonah. I can just assume and I hope and I trust that he did get his heart right. We just don't know. It doesn't really tell us. History doesn't tell us what happened. But we know that one day we'll get to talk to him. Because he was a believer. He knew the Lord. And, and eventually he got his heart right. If it wasn't until after he was dead, he got his heart right with God. It's a great study. It's a great story. But again, it's not a story about Jonah. It's not a story about Nineveh. It's a story about me. It's a story about you. Um, did the Ninevites cause Jonah's evil heart for God and for people? Or was that Jonah's fault? It was Jonah's fault, right? If the northern kingdom would have repented, God would have protected him. Yeah. For the one, the prayer of what Hezekiah, he wiped out the army that here. Yeah. Yep. And yet God sent prophet after prophet, and they, they don't, they don't want to listen to God. So again, history could have been changed if they would have just listened to God. But they did. And, and we can't change what's going on in our world today, right? All we can change is me. I can't change anybody else. I can change me. I can change my heart. I can give my heart to God. I can have a repentant and obedient heart and do what God wants me to do. Or I can be like Jonah. And again, when we think about, you know, how we apply this passage to our lives, um, there was a quote I had somewhere that um, somebody said, well, Dale, Dale Ralph Davis said this, God doesn't just want a successful mission. He wants a sanctified missionary. Because God didn't need Jonah. Could he have sent an angel? Could he have sent a donkey? He's done that before. Right? Yeah. Rooster. He could have sent anything or anybody, or he could have written it in the sky. So it wasn't about the mission, and it wasn't even about the missionary. It was about what was in the missionary's heart. And so God isn't looking for me to just do all of the right things in my life. He's looking for my heart be tender and pliable in his hands. Yeah. Do a thing. Do a thing. You touched on something last week, though. That the Spirit had to bring it to the whole city to repent. The Spirit had to bring the conviction. Yeah. Really, Jonah's heart wasn't really into what he was doing. Yeah. But he did. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And again, that's, that's what God wants us to do. You know, God can use anybody in anything, but it's got to be His work 
And, and so Jonah doesn't really get credit for being the greatest missionary in the world, right? Because God's the greatest missionary in the world. God can save any one of us and any group of people. And he just wants to be faithful. Until he comes back, he's looking for my heart to be right with him and be faithful with him till the day um, he calls us home. Kind of touches on what we're going to be looking at Sunday morning in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 10. As we finish out, we're in the middle of chapter 10. We won't even finish chapter 10 this coming week. But uh, look at those next several verses, and there's some applications we can learn even from that.